0: welcome to the hands-on business podcast delighted to be with you again as always before i start just want to remind everybody that if you like what you hear please rate the podcast with the link that will be in the description below this and if you don't enjoy it please keep it to yourself right so what I decided to do, I, mean, I did it in the first, uh, the first time, of the last podcast, I decided at the, at the beginning of each episode, I'm going to read out a review of this podcast. So hopefully it gives you a taste of what you're in for if you haven't listened before. So today we have a review from Jack who gives us a four star rating. I'm going to have to speak to him and find out why it wasn't five stars, but four stars isn't bad. <laughs> and he says, hands-on business podcasts are short, sharp, top tips in sharpening your sales marketing team culture and leadership skills to name but a few and he obviously has named quite a few actually there uh i really uh, what are really useful updates as we continue to work and live in ever evolving and changing work environments so that's jag and thank you very much we'll try our very very best to keep that up so uh, appreciate that so but for now on today's Podcast guest. Delighted to be joined by Leanne Ellich, who is a graduate of the University of Sydney, uh, also Harvard Business School and Harvard Medical School. Uh, So, as one of Australasia's most successful medical technology business executives and leading expert in high performance sales teams, Leanne is a psychology driven business strategist I'm not just a business strategist so we're going to get into that most definitely uh, and but she's got global experience and is the creator of the business mastermind program and the successful periodic table of sales and we were just talked about that offline because i'm a chemist so i was really attracted to that and that's how we connected on linkedin because Leanne posted about the periodic table and I was immediately drawn to it (laughs) so we then start communicating and that's how uh, this came about so we're going to get into that so based on her own success Leanne is using what she's uh, learned and her established methodologies to teach businesses how to think differently create value and set a pathway for industry leadership so welcome Leanne
1: Thank you, Hakim. Thank you very much. Great to be here from uh, sunny Sydney. It is sunny <laughs> outside.
0: <laughs> I wish I could say the same. We're in, I'm not, well, my, my children call it miserable Manchester, but actually today I think it's 26 degrees and it is actually quite sunny. So uh, they're going to have to probably rename it for the next few days because I think it's allegedly supposed to be really an Indian summer, as we call it, uh, but we seem to have it every September. August is always terrible and now uh, September is really great. Uh, So yeah, sunny here as well. So thank you for joining us, Leanne. Uh, And the subject for today's podcast, uh, it's going to be quite topical because obviously we all know for the last 18 months, the world has changed and so has business. So with many people moving to remote working environments, we're going to be exploring communication in business. So before we get into the actual meat of the topic, just tell me a bit more about your background and your journey to where you are now.
1: Yeah, sure. So I have a a bit of an unusual background, to be honest. Um, So I'm actually an oncologist, so my background is in medicine. I worked in um, two major hospitals in Australia, teaching hospitals, and did a lot of pediatric oncology, so that's little, you know, little kiddies with cancer. And for about 10 years, I was clinical, and out of sheer frustration, really, I decided that there's was more to just being a clinician and trying to do the best for your patients. And I actually got um, headhunted from um, a medical devices company. And besides friends and family thinking I was absolutely crazy, I saw this as a fantastic opportunity to do a lot more for patients, improve patient outcomes, especially the little guys in terms of... Building sort of a business network, global pathways, getting my name out there, building relationships and saying, hey, we need help. We need this information, this um, this specific medical device, the expertise that you have, and we want it in Australasia so we can actually start implementing these new technologies in a safe environment And, and off we go from there. So I was on an absolute mission to connect with medical businesses and quite high-profile principles globally, uh, to explain exactly you know what my background was as you know scientific and, and, and medical, and say look I'm going to use that expertise to then you know broaden that to a lot of other people. I really wanted to touch a lot more people's sort of hearts, and. That I put frameworks in place, and that's exactly what I did for about seventeen years. So we were able to implement a lot of new technology into Australasia, a lot of robotic radiotherapy. So with that, I came the sales experience, came strategic experience, came working with teams, operations, you know, finance, um, the whole you know, the whole um, gamut of the business acumen skills that you need. And it's almost, and we all find ourselves, I believe, in some respect as an accidental salesperson, because every person really does sell. Um, selling isn't just a transaction. It's not just a transfer of money. It can be a transfer of knowledge, value, opinion. You know, if I'm talking to you, Hakeem, and I'm trying to get you to think the way that I'm thinking and trying to politely persuade you to to you know um, to change your mind or to change your view, that that is still selling. So, for me, being able to put that framework in place and then implement this phenomenal technology. Then went the training, then went the teamwork. I then lectured and educated at some of the major universities in Australia, in New Zealand, and also in Southeast Asia. And from that, it just grew. And my love of the business environment um, in in the healthcare system was, and and to this day, it's my my absolute love. And from that, um, I created my own advisory and consultancy firm. However, my sales and strategic outcomes with my clients are all scientific based. Okay, and that's a
0: fascinating, almost counterintuitive journey because most, and I'm, I'm saying that because most people would say, "Well, you're a doctor, you're an oncologist. Surely that must have more impact on the health of the nation than going into business and and doing med tech." But what the way you've explained it is actually, well, no, because. Because you've got that background, you could attract that those people and understanding what was required in that healthcare space allowed you to actually target the right people to bring in the right sort of technology.
1: That's right. And also I only have the tools at my disposal that the organization or the institution I'm working at has and that that was you know sort of the, the the beginning of my frustration plus it was just that group of of patients or group of patients myself and my colleagues that we were actually helping where when you branch out into medical devices or into medtech and then expand that Bringing in technologies that wouldn't be there, you're actually you know you're actually helping a lot more people. So I'm yeah. that was my my thinking behind it was as much as I love my patients and I love working with patients that I can help and increase patient outcomes nationally, not just in one sector or one yeah. area of healthcare. And that was really important, and that's what drove me to do it. Uh, it was a steep learning curve, absolutely, but. Um, it's something that, I mean, I'm always up for a challenge and I always like to be mentally stimulated. Um, for me, I uh, it, it was it was always going to work. I, I was always going to make sure it worked. I, I was on a mission. I had this plan. I had these goals, the ambition, the drive. This is what I wanted to do. And no matter what I needed to do, I was going to make it happen. Whether it took, you know, a short period of time or a long period of time, I was going to get the resources, the team, the knowledge, the expertise around me to be able to do it. And that's sort of how I initially sort of fell into the, into, you know, the medical business and, um you know, have never looked back.
0: And obviously you said right at the beginning of that journey, your friend, your family were, thought you were crazy. Um, And now that you've made success of it, do they still think you're crazy? Are they still try <laughs> and convince you to go back to medicine or are they thinking, oh no, she knows what she's doing now? <laughs>
1: No, they're they're okay now. They're okay now. <laughs> I mean, even but, but it took a while. It mm. really did because even during the transition and in Australia, not a lot, because this was about 20 years ago, no one really did that. You stayed in your pocket, you yeah. stayed playing in your sandpit. You know, if you were a clinician at a hospital, you stayed there and you did, you know, you, you did phenomenal work, but that that's your play area. So no one, as they call it Going to the dark side, and I was you know, <laughs> to this day, I get people saying, Oh, you went over to the dark side. Um, but for me, I didn't look at it that way, I just looked at it as an opportunity, and no one had done it. Yeah, it was a massive risk. Um, I didn't have anyone to ask, I didn't know what to expect. I was lucky that the, uh, the devices company, the med- medtech tech company um, that headhunted me, were a fantastic group. They were also in the dark as well because this was something new for them as uh, from an, in an industry perspective and commercial um, perspective no one really did this so we were supporting one another and in it together so as i sort of got a lot of success and i'm not just talking about my own success I'm talking about the success of the business the success of the hospitals the success of you know um, the healthcare system and ultimately the success and the health and well-being of the patients as that was happening I mean, how do you look back? So people will still say, and friends will still say, and family, my mum in particular, will say, "Gosh, I was so worried that you were making the wrong decision because we could not see your vision." And now they, they, you know, truly understand.
0: It's interesting. i I'm, I'm assuming there's not that many doctors that take that path, or or are there more now because you've done it, or is it still pretty much stay in your lane?
1: yeah there's a couple there's probably uh, as clinicians there's a there's a lot of um sort of allied health workers that may transition into um the commercial world but clinicians not really there's probably a, a, about half a dozen in the country
0: all oh, right so yeah so so it's not it's not really changed much over that period of time
1: and i'm so quite sought after <laughs> it,
0: well no I'm, and, and I, was, I was thinking about that because it, it's it's quite forward thinking of that med tech company because it wasn't right. something that people did. So to so actually approach a doctor, um, you know, most most companies would have thought, oh, well, no, don't be interested. So it's actually quite a forward thinking way of doing things. So is there anything that you think in terms of your medical training, what you were doing as an oncologist actually prepared you for business once you got into business that actually made you successful?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Look, the one thing that is so important that people get so wrong a lot of the time is communication in business. And for me, having the communication with patients, patients that um, are extremely unwell, um, having to communicate bad news, having to communicate to not just a patient but to family to friends especially when you're working with children that is a, a you know a very different beast of you know the support network around the child and then trying to sort of explain to the child what's happening so for me um that the way of communicating and understanding the depths of subliminal cues Um, reactions, emotions. There's a lot of empathy. I mean, empathy is number one in sales. It should be number one in sales. There's a lot of empathy in when you're dealing in the, you know, in healthcare and in the medical field Um, using that. And that really prepared me because things don't always uh, in business go the right way. And there's a lot of, you know, um, a lot of ruthless decisions and, egos and power trips that you need to deal with and you know these are just people that are you know whether they um have their own securities or whatever it is but it comes across as extremely intimidating to a lot of people and those kinds of skills prepare you for those you know really uncomfortable and awkward situations the other thing too is what we don't realize that when we are talking to a patient or talking to another healthcare worker if i've created a program or i have a protocol of the way that i want to treat a patient or deliver radiation to a patient i need buy in from the patient and from the patient's family to say yeah okay i'm i'm happy with that if that's all a sales process even though I know it sounds bad but it's it is you know I, I know there's a lot of emotion in it and and you know patients look up to you and say well you're the expert you know I will you know um, follow what you say or I will you know be guided by you but and we have a duty of care to provide the you know the best solution that is suitable for them but Patients and, and people have their right to say no. Just like in sales, I have a right to say no, I don't want that or no, the decision is no. They have a right to say no as much as I have a right to say yes. So I need to put a comp- almost, so to speak, a compelling value proposition to them to say, yep, I'm okay with that. Yep, I'm going ahead with that. You've got my buy-in or essentially in a, in a you know, commercial sales, perspective yep I'll work with you yep I'll buy that yep let's start the contract let's start the relationship and off we go so there are a lot of synergies
0: I've never actually thought about that but as you started to talk about it you think okay yeah so it's about connection it's about empathy it's about listening it's about getting people to buy-in uh, which is as you said, all sales and, and you know anyone who's got kids knows that sales pe- that uh, children are probably the best salespeople, and they know how to tug on your heartstrings when they require how to convince you that they they know that they'll die if they don't get X Y and Z, and then they pest you for ages. <laughs> so they're quite Absolutely. so they're con- they're consistent. Uh, so so was there a challenge because obviously one of the things you mentioned there is that obviously they in that environment of a doctor you're seen as an expert and then we just talked about people thinking you've gone over to the dark side so even though you may be an expert people don't respect sales the same as they do doctors which is obviously one of the reasons why your friends and family thought oh my god what you've done so so how did you deal with that transition
1: yeah and that's the st- stigma with sales um you know the trickery the um you know the Underhandedness that people associate sales with. I mean, I've always said it's you know it's 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 sales, not sleaze. It's <laughs> it's, it's you know where you people think of it as quite often as a slimy, sleazy occupation, but it's not. But what what you need. Sales, to be successful, you need to have authority. So you need to know exactly what you're talking about. So I never saw it as, I am a salesperson and you are a customer. I saw it as, I have a solution that will help you solve a problem. Let's work at this together. So it's not about me, it's about the customer. So what can I do to help them solve a problem? Selling or decision making, basically there's two components, there's emotion and logic. They're, they're really when you anyone makes a decision in any way, shape or form, it's emotion and logic. So one is that I need to solve a problem, or I need to sort something out that's causing me grief. And the other with emotion is that it makes me happy or puts me in a good mood. I feel good. So they're the two really important principles, psychological principles of how you then engage with a customer. So it was all relationship building. It was all behavioral selling. It was never, I have something that, we, that I think you'd be interested in. It's, what are your issues? What are your problems? What can I help with? I may have something that will make it easier for you, or more efficient or more streamlined. Let's sit down, brainstorm, work on it together and see if we can come up with a solution. So it's that communication, it's that trust with one another and having that expertise of, of the medicine and science and then saying, look, I want to share my knowledge with you to see if we can solve a problem. That's how you get away from that, salesy, um, you're just trying to sell me something attitude, because I wasn't just trying to sell something, I'm actually trying to help someone solve a problem. Um, so it, authority and patience and persistence um, and you know authenticity as well, you have to definitely build that trust, that's really important. Being a, the type of person that I am and my actual personality traits in my profile, which I, I talk a lot in my workshops, I'm a talker, I have the background of caring, of having that empathy. I use those skills that made me successful as a clinician in the sales environment. I treat it exactly the same. Okay, not that the customer is a patient, but they have a problem that needs to be solved.
0: as i said i've never i've never thought about it and that's why i was fascinated by by, by the way you talk around the process because i think the fact that you are a clinician gives you a unique perspective on even a very interesting perspective so and, and that probably leads on to you know we've we've seen lots of people who call themselves business strategists to a great or lesser extent but you call yourself a psychologically based business strategist so just talk to me a bit more about that
1: yeah sure so i mean i've been studying behaviors Well, since since university. Um, I'm not a clinical psychologist, but obviously as as part of, you know, um, medical school, you do psychology. Um, And it's always been a fascinating topic to me, um, the way that we behave, the patterns that we fall into subconsciously and naturally, and just observing people's behaviors. And this is also stems from when you're uh, working with terminally ill patients. You need to be really in tune um, and almost have a sixth sense of how they're going to react. So um, And then sort of understanding and interpreting it in the right way. This same thing, exactly the same thing happens in business. So for instance, if I'm talking to someone that is a quite a dominant person or they uh, and there's there's a, a personality trait and archetypes. There are frameworks that I that I've always used in my business career that I use now, um, that are just yeah, again fascinating. And I've used a lot of um, psychometric instrumentation and a lot of you know those kind of. Um, Practices and assessments, and there are a lot out there. A lot of them are old, a lot of them aren't evidence based. Again, being you know, um, scientific, everything for me is going to be fact and evidence based, um, and you know, provide answers that are logical and not just fluff. I'm not really a fluffy person at all. Fluff just doesn't sit with me because it's not in a way real. Um, So it's being able to understand the person you're speaking to. So if there is a dominant person, someone that is very time poor, someone that is very direct, very assertive, and this happens a lot in sales, if I'm to sit down and have a meeting or I'm to sit down to talk about a product or even to strategize with them, if I start becoming extremely verbose and hand them a manual or a brochure that's a hundred pages. You know they're going to look at it and go, what on earth do you want me to do with this? Give me the one-page summary. Yeah. Yet there are other people um, that have the personality, personality traits that are a lot more um, calm. Uh, they're called compliant and, and steady, where you give them the 100-page manual and they're lapping it up. That's exactly the information that they need. And if I gave them a one pager, it would be you know turn it around going well. Where's, where's the rest of it? Yeah, so it's... being able to identify those behaviours and identifying the the patterns that people exhibit, um, and it's again innate. Like we we are who we are. We we can change our patterns, and what happens with our personality traits is they do change, but they the dominance stays where it is. Um, and the influence stays where it is, and the steadiness stays where it is, and the compliance stays where it is, but there may be different levels as we experience things through life. So being able to use those skills as personality traits, and then I can extend that into archetypes, um, we can then connect on a much deeper level, we engage with people in general, let alone our customers on a much deeper level, and we build relationships that are actually sustainable. So. It's, you know, think about it yourself, you know, if you've got someone talking to you or sending you an email, because I go into, you know, email delivery, uh, conversational delivery or conversational intelligence, as I call it, personality intelligence. Um, If you are a certain way and someone just you know, automatically, because a lot of automation that's happening now in, in, in our digital and virtual world, especially since COVID, and they just throw information at you. And it's like, well, you haven't put any thought in that. That doesn't resonate with me. You, you, you know, you, you've you just sent that to me. You are very unlike. you're unlikely to, you've, you've got to manage your time. It's almost like a metrics. It's like, what deserves my attention? Which part of this communication from all, all these people have sent me information, which one deserves my time? Because my time is extremely important and I'm I'm busy and I haven't got time to look at all this. Someone that has actually looked at and identified the way that I am and have said, well, Leanne's a friendly person, so I'm going to start an email saying, hi, how are you? Or how's your day been? Or hope you're keeping well. They've put the time in to know that that's how I respond and I am more likely to be drawn to that and then to respond and build up a relationship or you know a business um, you know relationship with them. People underestimate the importance of and we don't even have to go deep even just the superficial personality traits we all think that everyone wants to communicate and everyone behaves in the same way we do um, neuroscience, psychology, you know, real world experiences show us that that is simply not true. Uh, I have seen business deals, relationships, sales absolutely crumble and dissolve based just on people not understanding one another and they haven't taken the time to work out how they need to communicate.
0: You, you've effectively just defined almost the art of communication, haven't you, in terms of connecting with people and actually listening, which lots of people don't do. I can't remember, I saw a quote the other day where, the, where it, was, it was effectively saying that, you know, some people listen because they want to understand and other people listen because they're just waiting to reply. I call
1: that hearing. Uh, yes. Listening is very different to hearing. When you listen, you not only use your ears, but you actually use your eyes and your body language because you engage, because you're actually interested in what someone is saying, and you're giving them the respect to speak. So just using your ears and hearing is not absolutely not the same thing as listening.
0: Yeah. I, I agree. So, so just as a little test, because obviously, you, you probably get, I don't know how many emails you'll get requesting to do things. And obviously, you got an email from me, I didn't know you. Uh, so what, what was it in my email? That you thought, oh, I think it's on LinkedIn actually, wasn't it? The first connection. What what did I say? Because oh, I can't remember exactly what I said. But what did I say there that made you think? Oh, actually, I will I will, I will respond to this one because I I'm the same. I get lots of stuff and I don't respond to everybody.
1: Yep, absolutely. So your email um cl- or your message, you had clearly taken the time to look at something about me now, whether it was my profile, whether you read my post, uh, and understood the post there was a clear indication that you wanted to know more about me. Again, you're, you're coming to me, so it's not about you, it's about me. And as I was reading it, that resonated with me because it's like not a standard automated email. It was something that was applicable to me. And you had taken the time to look. now. It can only be a small thing. It doesn't have to be a big thing. It can yeah. be a, a tiny, tiny thing. Also, you ask permission. So you actually, in your, if you reread it, the way that you wrote it, it wasn't, you know, um, I'm going to say, you know, let's organise a That's, it's not. It's, it was more. Um, let's. You know, uh, explore whether there's synergies, or let's explore. There was an it was an open invitation, and you are asking permission about whether it was okay to connect, rather than bombarding me, which is what I get a lot of the time. With yeah. I sell this, da, da, da no, I do this. Here's a link. Book a meeting. Yeah. No, yeah. thank you. I'm not interested in booking a meeting with you because there is nothing in that message or in that email where that even resonates with me. You could send that to a hundred people and it'd be exactly the same and a hundred people are different. Every single hundred people, there would be a hundred different people, we expect a hundred, well, so to speak a hundred different emails yeah. you're not going to send 100 different emails but you know we've all got our own different sort of personality traits but we break it down into four we break it down into quarters so if people are listening going oh my gosh that's a, you know it's it's not it's not that we we, we do um, um, sort of collate it together but yeah that's that taking that time now would have been about a couple of minutes to actually understand what I do, to understand where my expertise is and then bring that into the conversation or into the response when you are communicating with me. That gave me an indication that this person is interested in what I do, is interested in my expertise and actually is asking permission for me to speak to them. And yeah, that's, so it was perfect.
0: Oh, excellent. So so that that brings me, and it's not, well, it is about communication because it's all about sales, onto the the actual reason I did contact you, which was the periodic table of sales. And we were talking about that before. So do you want to just give me Give us a bit more information. because I, I find it as I said, other chemists, I find it absolutely brilliant to actually build a sales model around the periodic table. And as I said to you earlier, I'm just disappointed that I didn't think about it myself. but so t- tell us tell us about it because it's, it's brilliant. Happy
1: to share, happy to share it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. so the periodic table, um, I mean, yes, the periodic table, the the traditional, Um, And standard periodic table is the periodic table of chemical elements and that is the building blocks and makeup of every single Every single atom every single thing that is here on on earth and and beyond really Um, Basically, it's a building block. So I have used the periodic table for a long long time with during my career Um, as well, because I've worked with um, a lot of medical oncologists that are, you know, chemotherapy specialists. So when we start talking about drugs and start talking about, um, you know, sort of molecular activity, I've also done genetics at Harvard Business School. So we go into biologics and therapeutics as well. So for me, that was, that's sort of been a, a main part of, you know, the beginning of my career. There, what people don't understand is that even in business, we have building blocks and building blocks have to start from from the bottom. Um, You have a component of one thing, you have a component of another and you may have a little bit of this and you may have two or three molecules of that and you create influence or you create a pathway to be able to uh, prospect or to um, develop skills. So basically I broke down what happens as a business generalist when you are either in business uh, because you're an expert in business or an accidental salesperson or accidental business person. And I broke down all the components that are needed to be successful in the business world today. So. Even though it's the business world from you know a long time ago, things have changed dramatically now and the way we need to behave and the way we need to approach customers and approach stakeholders um, is very different. So I broke it down into building box, blocks and that's where I came up with the 21 elements. So the 21 elements of the periodic table of sales are broken into three groups. And the first group is your mindset and the second group is your skill set and the third set is your toolkit. So your mindset. There are uh, nine elements in your mindset. So there, and and in my book, there each chapter is is one of the elements where you need to be in a certain frame of mind. You need to develop your own skills. You need to understand what business is all about. You need to you know overcome challenges um try and and push through reluctance and this is not a you know again a fluffy feel good kind of you know m- you know it, the mindset this is essentially what a successful business person needs and how they need to position themselves and their mindset to be able to move forward as and 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 create success so it's what you need and the way that you need to present yourself to the world we then go on to the second, which is skill set, and there's eight in skills, eight elements in the skill set. And that's the skills that you acquire to do selling, to sell and to understand the science of selling. So that's when we come into your st- you know, your sort of typical, but you know, a lot of um, sort of standard words of prospecting, negotiating, closing um storytelling is in there A business acumen leadership change management i mean now i'm not talking about the full change management of an organization but this is the you know managing the change of an opinion and how you do that and you need to have those skills to be able to encourage someone or persuade someone to change their mind or to think the way that you're thinking then the third is toolkit um, and there is four um, four four elements in toolkit. And your toolkit is basically your metrics, your strategy, your leadership, your influence, how all the resources and the tools and skills that you need to be able to execute it. So you're in the right frame of mind. You have, you've um, developed and become an expert and perfected your skills. That's great, but then you need to execute it. And how do you do that? So then you've got your tools. So, talking about doing different analyses, your forecasts, your um, uh, mind mapping, goal setting, um, you know, there's there's a lot of habit tracking, I've got habit tracking in there because we quite easily fall out of sales habits, especially prospecting, not everyone likes to prospect. So if they don't set a habit, they actually won't do it. So there's about 13, 14 different tools that um, we use as, as strategists and sales, successful salespeople, and that's part of the toolkit. So then I thought to myself, that is the breakdown of the periodic table. And as I was saying to you before we went live, I wanted to create an equation because it's scientific. The periodic table is scientific. So let me create a sales equation and a framework or a model that anyone can use. And that is basically that you've got your mindset plus your skill set times your toolkit equals influence squared so it's not just that all these things give you influence it's actually that you exponentially amplify influence if you if you use this framework in the way that it's meant to be used
0: yeah absolutely brilliant as I said, I only wish I'd thought about it. And, and actually, when I read it, I kept thinking because obviously I've got my sales acceleration formula. I'm thinking, how can I put that into a into some kind of equation? I couldn't, do, I couldn't do it. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't, I haven't got the skills set that uh, I need to do that. Not, not
1: yet, not yet. Not, not yet. Sure. But obviously,
0: once I've, I, because as I was thinking, there's, there's quite a few people that I'm gonna. Uh, pass that book on to I've got a sales team that actually will benefit because I've just been speaking to them recently about reading more and learning more and actually never standing still because that's one of the key things I think in sales people people get to a point and think oh I'm a great salesperson and that's it and I think the best self not just best sales people the most successful people are constantly learning and trying to adapt and change
1: yeah you can never be you, you can be the best salesperson, but you might be there for I mean, a nanosecond because then someone else has been able to perfect another skill that you didn't develop or you didn't yeah. learn that then puts them ahead. So the the book that I've written is actually a workbook. It's quite big and it's, and it's available on um, the website online and there's worldwide delivery. But it's what it is, and this I purposely wrote it and published it like this. There are so many sales books and business books and all that out there that you can read and read and read and read and read and they all tell you what you should do and you know some methodology, but they never ever give you the how. So yeah. what this is, is it actually is how do you negotiate? How, like how do you use these certain skills? And then each chapter has a development a development challenge. So you need, so it's interactive. So you need to um, fill out the challenges, the action items I have in there. So it's not just something you read, it's something you do. So it helps salespeople, business people develop those skills. And as as people become leaders, regardless of whether you're selling something or not, you still need to have those sales skills. So I wanted it to be a, a book that People just didn't read. They actually, it was a workbook. They actually write in it, they scribble in it, they dog ear it, they take it with them wherever they go, they refer back to it. There is there is so much content in there and, and so much, um, there's so many challenges and exercises for people to do that can then be redone, 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 redone to keep developing and keep perfecting those skills until you do become one of the best salespeople in the world. And I call it, and my, my workshop is, you know, a platform, you know a revolutionary platform to develop the best salespeople because without these kinds of skills um, it's really hard to perfect
0: no it is and, and and it's um it was going to lead me on to the next question you have almost answered it because i was going to say well so is it is it because lots of people think oh it's an art you're born with it and i was going to ask you is it an art or is it something that can be developed
1: i mean <laughs> there is that 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 old cliche of you know you're born a salesperson um that actually is not true. What people are saying by that is you've got the gift of the gab or that yeah. great talk and you could talk underwater. Or, you know, yeah. you yeah. yeah. But what people don't realize is that's true and you can talk underwater and you will sell something, but you'll sell it once and that's it. You will not sell twice or you will not sell hundred times and you will not sell to that person for 10 years. So when they say, oh, you know, you're a born salesperson, it's yeah, you can actually obtain a, a that's singular, a sale. Someone who develops and the skills and learns, so it's a, it's a learnt tool. Uh, and develops and keeps researching and, and you know, exactly what you would say what you mentioned before, Hakim, about, you know, using, you know, the different school, um, skills and, you know, new, even, you know, technologies and resources around you and bringing that into your armory. That's when you actually become a really, really good salesperson with depth of knowledge that will be as you know build sustainable relationships so you won't be just selling the gift of the gab sale with that one it will be two three four and like i have you know customers of mine or clients of mine that are 20 years they're still with me i'm continuing that sustainable relationship so someone that says oh, i born a salesperson will get that one sale and only that one sale
0: you're obviously on, on the same quest as me because th- that's been my quest for the past, I don't know, 20-odd years is that I used to find it very frustrating that people was, oh, you can sell sand to the Arabs, you can, you know, etc. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, I can talk, but sales isn't just about talking. I, I, I think there's a, there's, a, there's a clear methodology that I go through and I analyze, uh, you know, one of the first training courses I went on, then the sales process, the end of that sales process was self-analysis. Uh, and I took that very much to heart because I was analysing everything I did and saying, well, how, wh- why, d- why was that successful and why was that one not successful? And you then start to build methodologies that become reproducible. You have a process and then you start finding, oh, any any environment I go into, I seem to be quite successful whatever I'm selling compared to other people, as you said, that are, yeah, they were great at selling that. We've now changed products and they can't sell that anymore because they haven't really got a process uh, and I've been very, very uh, almost dogmatic about, no, i I want to change the world to believe that sales and marketing is a discipline just like accountancy, pharmacy, and there's rules and regulations that you should be utilising to keep you on a successful path.
1: A hundred percent. one of my one of the elements in the periodic table is diagnosing. It is really important that you, it's like diagnosing, I mean, you know, and that comes obviously with my medical background, but it's diagnosing the problem. But it's not just diagnosing the problem of the customer, it's diagnosing how they want to be communicated. It's diagnosing who are the decision makers, who is it that I need to influence within the group or the organization? So it's a very analytical, I mean, I, I talk about, you know, diagnosing, then analyzing, maximizing, and optimizing, you know, it's that framework of, you know, you don't just go, oh, I'm going to sell it to that and hopefully, you know, that that person, hopefully, you know, just, you know, think that, you know, that it's going to be, you know, e- easy. It's going to come easy and just hope for the best. That That is not sales. It is a a difficult skill sales is not easy if anyone says that sales is easy it absolutely isn't And if it has come easy to them that's great but it is for it will be short-lived sales is a methodical art that needs to be perfected constantly perfected with different tools different methodologies different frameworks and it needs to be broken down in a scientific way. If you can break it down into the building blocks and then identify what is needed, identify you know what you've perfected or you know what you still need to improve, it is it's it's a dynamic environment. You can never ever stand still. And what makes the best salespeople are the people that continually grow, continually develop. They are great leaders, so they not only um, are looking out for themselves to better themselves, but they want to better their team. So great leaders create other great leaders, and that's by bringing people together and develop doing professional and personal development. It doesn't just stop there and say, right, you've reached the end, you've got you know that you've hit the ceiling, that's it, no more. That's that is not how sales and business works. So the best salespeople are constantly moving, constantly learning, and the environment changes those that thought they were really really good at sales are the ones that have now got lost in the virtual world one of yeah. one of the modules i teach is selling in a virtual world because we are communicating differently you know we do have barriers we have the you know screens in front of us cameras in front of us i mean i'm looking at you I and mean, obviously we're um, at other <laughs> ends of the world but you know I right now, as we were saying off off before we were recording, you know, I'm in Sydney and I'm in a very heavy lockdown. Uh, I can't move five kilometres from from my home, and I can only leave for sixty minutes. Now that's very hard to do business. So we need to perfect the art of behaviour and communication and selling and relationship selling online and a lot of people really struggle with that. So we need to try and remove those barriers of the screen and the you know one centimeter diameter camera that I'm looking into right now, <laughs> yeah. to make sure that I'm connecting with you and you're connecting with me, which we are, but that needs to be taught. And so those that have thought that they were excellent salespeople and they perfected it all have now got lost.
0: That's a really good point, because communication, people think communication is just face to face communication, which obviously I think most people would would say that's the best form of communication. It's certainly the most enjoyable form of communication. But communication is a variety. And and actually, I had a business with a partner well ahead of its time, actually. So so it didn't go that, that far. It was about six years ago where we started like a virtual business. As in virtual meetings, because we realised—I mean, we obviously didn't know what was going to happen with COVID—but we were thinking, actually, yeah, if you're working with global companies, they can't, they don't want to be sending people across the world. Exactly. So, so, so we actually perfected that, and we were actually running those virtual meetings so that we were like we're managing the meeting and we're trying to give them. A face-to-face experience with the meeting so, so we were doing breakout rooms well before zoom had it and we and, and actually we were relatively successful just it was a lot of hard work because we, we realized the actual preparation you had to put in to, to to prepare an online meeting was about 50 times more than actually just turning up and presenting to a group of people because you're just yeah. bouncing off the energy in the room aren't you and assessing people as you go as opposed to the preparation but um that that has certainly helped me now because I'm, I am I was already attuned to that online space before it happened right. in the last two years. So it's a, it's a very interesting point about the communication yeah. and people yeah. getting lost. Well,
1: I've been selling virtually same with you for nearly 20 years because yeah. I've done so I have, you know, working with, you know, quite reputable principles globally, exactly. You don't just hop on a plane and off you go. <laughs> and back then the platform that we used, because we used to do a lot of um, uh, medical presentations with software. So we used to use Webex um, yeah. and qu- it was quite clunky back, back then, um, it's yes. obviously really, really good now. But what happened is you didn't have the tools that you have now. So you know Zoom wasn't—I mean, Zoom was around, but it was a very, very basic tool. Even Webex wasn't really great. So you didn't have the stability of the platforms and the um, the features that you needed to run a really smooth virtual sales process. Yeah. Now that's all at our fingertips, and. Quite reasonably priced, so we are there. Should those barriers to execution have been uh, removed? It's just now understanding how to communicate when you are sitting in a room, uh, looking at a tiny camera, and trying to engage with someone that you aren't sitting next to. Um, and there's lots of subliminal cues that you do miss, but there are certain characteristics. And as you and I are talking now and looking um, at one another, there are certain characteristics that I'm identifying with you and knowing how you want to be communicated to. And that, that just comes from being taught and learning.
0: Okay. So so what lessons would you say you've learned over the years that others can benefit? If, if I say, give me the top five, what, what would they be?
1: If In the virtual world or just in, in general?
0: Just in general around communication, yeah. around sales?
1: Yep. Sure. So first, firstly, would I would say that you you need to actively listen. There, there, you, you absolutely will will not um, perfect sales or become successful if you're not listening to the customer. And I don't just mean out of sheer respect. I mean, there are things that you, when you don't actively listen, you miss important cues, you miss important topics or words that they've said that you need to pick up to be able to then carry on with that conversation. So that will be the first thing. The second thing is to be authentic. So you've got to be able to build up trust and you need to have a a presence. So if someone wants to, Um, you know, divulge a lot of information they feel that they can. If you build up a trusting relationship because of your, your authenticity, they are way more likely to give you a lot more information about themselves or about their problem or about what they need. Quite often, they will also bring up Information about competitors without you, not that you should ask and you always stay professional, but it comes up in conversation because they feel they can trust you with this information. So, authenticity and trust. Uh, number three is persistence. Now, people need to realize that even though the most common word that we hear in sales is no. Yeah. Someone's had to say yes, otherwise no one would be doing build, uh, business at all. So there's a yes in there somewhere. So I always say to, to, to my students and to my teams that, you know, be persistent. You know, when, you, when you're when you coming up against an obstacle or roadblock or a gatekeeper, I actually have my own sort of gatekeeper cycle, that, you know, if you decide and say, oh, I'm not going to pursue this anymore, well, you, you, you're, you're the one that's giving yourself the no. You know, At some stage, if you, i call it polite persistence, if you are politely persistent, persistence is also one of the elements in the periodic table, eventually you will get to where you need to be. Now, it may take a couple of extra weeks, it may take 12 months, but it, you are not doing yourself any favors by saying, right, that's it, I've had enough, I'm not doing any more. Now, if, if the sale is lost, that's different, but I'm talking about when you're prospecting, when you're engaging with a customer. You need to be persistent. Persistence pays off, but it's the way that you're persistent that matters. Four, leadership qualities. So you need to be able to show that you can lead a team, that you are confident in yourself, people that you you are able to Um, I'm not going to say you're able to lead, but able to mentor and be a role model to others around you. Now, leadership comes with experience, Um, it also depends on the industry that you're in. But in sales, showing those leadership or exhibiting those leadership qualities is something that is um, not only applicable, but very um, enlightening in a sales environment. If someone doesn't come across with leadership qualities, you are less likely someone to engage, a customer to engage or do business with you. Now, what also quite often happens is you then also become a leader within the customer's organization because they end up saying, wow, That person's got a lot of experience, they've got a lot of expertise, their depth of knowledge is phenomenal. I want to be a part of that. I want them to be a part of our organization. I wanna collaborate with them. So having those leadership qualities is really, really important. And what would be the fifth one? Opportunity, for sure. Um, Opportunity actually sits everywhere. There's opportunity everywhere. Absolutely it is. Even when you feel that you know, you're, you're really down the dumps, it's like, oh my gosh, especially if you've lost a big deal, it's like, what, what could I have done better? There are always opportunities. It's just that sometimes we're blinkered. We need to look in the periphery, so we need to look around, you know, pull those blinkers away and look around. As I say, think outside the box. The opportunities are there, we just can't see them. And it's important to know that if you are feeling despondent and feeling really, Feeling, you know, a, a little bit so you lack lack of of confidence and and that you just you know these things happen. Sales is a roller coaster, you know. One minute you're high and up in the air, and the next minute you're you know in the in the depths of the valley. Um, that's just what sales <laughs> is, but it's also exhilarating. That's yep. what makes us tick. So when you are in the depths of the valley, know that there are opportunities, but what you need to make sure is that if the opportunities are there, you grab them. So it's like having a door that opens. If you don't step through that door, you will never ever be able to reach that success or get an outcome because you're just standing on the edge. So yeah, opportunities is, is a really important one.
0: And that last point actually is, is links back to your your peer not the periodic table but the periodic table and the book in terms of the mindset because yeah. the opportunities being there and just how you describe it and you've been at see those opportunities is almost a lot of the time determined by mindset because you can have two people they're given exactly the same opportunity one walk through that door because they've got the right mindset and the other one said, oh, no, 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 if I walk, oh, what's going on the other side of that door and they don't walk through it and therefore they don't get the opportunity. So it all links in really nicely. So in terms of, because we touched on it slightly there about the uh, virtual selling. So have you got any top tips for communication in this virtual world?
1: Virtual world, yes. So for, um, so when when you get online, um, it's really important that like right now, Hakeem, I am not looking at you on screen I am looking at the camera because for me it is important that you can see me engaging with you remember I said listening is with your eyes and with your body language now I naturally use my hands my background is Greek I'm I'm European so I, I am quite an extrovert so my hands go all over the place but um so that that's natural for me but I'm not looking at the if I look, if Now I've adjusted my eyes, and so I'm looking at you on the screen, but of course you can now see that I'm not looking at you. Yeah. So it's really important, as difficult as it is, and it just comes with practice that you look at the camera to engage with your eyes and listen with your eyes, communicate with your eyes. The other thing is if someone is, a very uppity person, so a very more of a, a dominant and influential person. So if we think about four quadrants of the disc profile, you've got the dominance, the influence, the steadiness, and the compliance. If you someone's quite dominant, influential, you know, bringing your body weight forward like you're waiting for that next thing that they're gonna say, because you're really, really intrigued and really interested and you're you're, you're hanging out for it. So bringing your body weight forwards shows them that you're really engaged and you're you're, you're connected and also that um, you're listening and they will continue talking and giving you more. If you have someone that is uh, more introverted, they're a lot steadier, they're a lot, they're a calm person, they talk slowly. Then sit back in your chair because quite often when you lean forward like this and transfer your weight forward, and this happens in the real world too, when you transfer your weight forward, it can be intimidating. So even though we have a screen and even though we have the camera in front of us, that movement forward shows that you are, to them, that you are pushy, that you are agitated, that you are trying to get more out of them. So you sit back and just let give them the opportunity to be able to talk in it's almost providing um, a psychological safe area, even though it's virtual area, but it's providing that space for them to be able to, um, to communicate to talk to do what they feel comfortable. Um, and that goes also with the volume, uh, the pitch and the speed of your voice. So similarly, with someone that is. Um, you know, like an I or a D and really, you know, talks a lot. You know, we can talk faster, we can talk louder, um, we can talk our cadence and our pitch and our tempo, we can, you know, move that up and down. And that's to be able to um, engage or provide what I call conversational rhythm. And conversational rhythm generally at the three to four minute mark is when you start finding synergies within a person that you've connected with properly, and then that conversational rhythm just continues. If you are talking to someone that is a quieter and a little bit steadier and calmer, then slow your voice down, slow your words down, um, lower your pitch, so I've just started speaking a little bit lower, I'm talking softer, I'm talking slower, um, and I'm not... Engaging in not that I'm aggressive, but that coming across as that aggressive, pushy because I'm sitting back, I'm talking slow, I'm listening, I'm giving them space, and that's just some. This is just touched the surface. Some of the tips that you can use in the virtual world of business.
0: Excellent. Now that, that's really, really useful because you may have noticed I've started looking directly into the camera because the...
1: <laughs> I did notice it before. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you lifted because... your eyes. Yeah.
0: Because it's a really difficult skill to perfect because, as you said, communication is about picking up those sort of cues. So you, you automatically want to look at the person that you're speaking to. And then, but you're right. When you're on a call you don't want your eyes looking down to the left or down to way where, wherever your camera is you want to be looking into the camera so the person is feeling connected with you so i think that's uh that's certainly something i've just picked up uh, and i'll be certainly doing in all my podcasts because i'm always chat. you always start thinking well where should i be looking because i know i want to look straight ahead because that's where the camera is i also want to look at leanne because uh, yeah. I'm speaking to her, so it so it is um it, it's a really, it's really useful. Right. It really yeah. is.
1: Ninety five percent of people. There's been actually a study that came out. Ninety five to ninety six percent of people do not look at the camera.
0: Yeah. Well, and in so fact, that, I was looking
1: to show how many people are not te- technically not truly engaging with the person that they're speaking to, and if that's a customer, especially a new customer, it's important to engage, and it will certainly differentiate you from everybody else.
0: Well, interesting enough, if you're in America, you're very lucky because i tried to get this because I, I knew it was a problem. There's this actual um, tool, uh, well, I don't know what it is, it's like a Perspex uh, webcam carrier. So it basically goes over your laptop, or your computer, wherever you put it, and it goes sits right in the middle of the screen, so that actually you can you're almost then looking at the person as well as looking at the camera. So I was trying to get it, but you couldn't get it in America. So I, I keep looking online and trying to find. Oh, well, there must be something in England, but I haven't found one yet. But that 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 will then help me completely revolutionise my online uh, presence. Yeah. And then I can look directly in the camera because even though I'm looking at the camera, I'm always I'm like looking at the camera. But I keep wanting to look to the left to look at you again. So. Uh, obviously because obviously because okay. what
1: I do too, just just when you said look at the left to look at me. So I have my zoom screen off center. So I don't have the zoom in the middle of ah. my screen. So I'm at the edge, but I have you. So you
0: are in the front, front, okay.
1: front of me, but the screen's going going that way. So rather than putting the zoom screen in the middle, so you would then be in my peripheral vision on the left, I have you centered directly underneath the field of view, my camera. So when I'm looking at the camera, my peripheral vision can see your actions and your behavior.
0: Ah, yes, I've just done it. (laughs) So every every day is a school day as far as I'm concerned, because lots of people say, well, why why do all these podcasts? It's very, you know, it's very time consuming. You have to do research. I said, well, firstly, trying to provide knowledge and information to other people. But I said that the person who benefits the most from it is me. I said, because I'm speaking to all these great people who know a lot more about things than me. So I'm learning all the time. Every time I do a podcast, so all the time. So obviously you, you, you talked a bit about the book. Um What drove you to write that book? Because obviously I know that, uh, you know, you, you're very enthusiastic about it. It's a workbook. It's going to help lots of people. But, you know, writing a book is not easy. I, I know that for a fact, because I tried to do it for about 10 years and only did it completely it last year. So what was was the driving factor behind it?
1: Sure. And I not only did I write the book, but I actually did all the graphics as well. I did everything in it because I wanted it um, uh, very specific in how it looked, uh, even in terms of font size, because when it's a workbook it needs to be easy for people to read and quickly so they can skim if they need to go over their notes so there was a, there's a lot of psychology that's actually gone into the aesthetics and the way that it looks and also colors because when i talk about archetypes so archetypes is the Jungian archetype. so carl i do a lot of work with archetypes so carl jung was a student of sigmund freud and He's a psychoanalyst and a psych, psychiatrist. Yeah. And so using that the certain colors that people, it would stimulate people to learn, but then not be overpowering either. So they are in a very calming space to learn. So a lot's gone into the book. The reason why I um, wanted to write it and I wrote it and publish it is because there is nothing else like it. There's nothing out there. So when I was researching, um, I found another sort of sales workbook that was besides extraordinarily expensive like hundreds of dollars which is ridiculous um it's uh, 11 years old and was about 90 pages what's that going to give you to me that that's that's just sort of like a notepad you know very very expensive yeah. notepad it wasn't really a lot it was very archaic old school sales um and I didn't feel black and white so there wasn't any thought in terms of archetypes and in terms yeah. of the aesthetics of the reader or the consumer. So I saw a a hole in the market for, you know, in regards to that. And I constantly get asked about my methodologies and my frameworks because they are very different, but also very successful. So I thought, you know what, I'm actually going to put it in a book and I'm going to make it something that people can use use and use and use and use and use and develop and learn. So that's what sort of, it encouraged me to to write it originally it was just going to be for my own clients and my own students the the cohorts of the of the workshop and the and the business mastermind program but you know i mean, I love sharing information <laughs> um and i thought why no i i need to get this out there there are so many people that need these this kind of development and skills and um and so i yeah pub, pub you know fully published it and yeah and now it's available
0: yeah so, so where can people get it from
1: so on the website so um
0: uh, www i'll drop that link in the podcast when i uh, release the podcast episode so that's great and what would you say if there was one thing that you want the people who read it to get from it what would that be
1: to oh one the one <laughs> thing would be to understand the building blocks of sales and apply the scientific methodology to help build confidence in business.
0: So you put about five things in there, but wrap it, it as one.
1: Uh, <laughs> one. <laughs> also, um, if uh, what I I I do, what the team does, everyone that buys the book, I have the periodic. Periodic Table of Sales card. And that also comes with the book as well.
0: Oh, excellent. So, so yeah, uh, I'll be getting a few people to buy that book. But that certainly when I launch the podcast, I this episode, then I'll put all of those links uh, in the bottom. So people will be then able to get in contact with you, but also be able to buy the book. Because uh, I think that people, once they've watched this, will be very keen to learn about the periodic table, learn about the mindset and the and the and the, the, the skill set and the toolkit, etc. So, so just I mean, we just to wrap up, we were talking uh, obviously about learning and moving forward. So, so what are you reading at the moment, or have you got any good books that you recommend to help people apart from obviously your own um, to, to 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 help people understand communication, understand sales, etc
1: the the one one book in particular that I um is an absolute go to for me I'll just I'll just get it um is I mean this is this is what I mean I have I have quite a few that I actually refer to constantly but this one is the this the Robert Caldini oh right yes <laughs> yeah. um psychology of persuasion he has the six principles of influence um. That book, I mean, he's a genius, yeah. Um, and, and that book, the way he's broken it down is just phenomenal. Um, the other book that I also have that is pretty much I refer to constantly is con- the Conversational Intelligence. So that's really, there's nothing like this um, around. Um, and it really breaks down the way that we communicate and also the, the barriers we put up ourselves to not understand someone properly. Like for instance, when we, if we judge, we create the own, our own movies in our heads about what is happening or what a customer thinks. In the workshop, I talk a lot about limiting beliefs and challenging assumptions. 90% of assumptions that are made in sales are incorrect. You know, we think, oh, they're gonna buy from our competitor. Well, how do you know that? Actually, I don't. We think that they're gonna do it. We think that they know what we know. They, we think that a customer is not going to call back. We think that they are not interested because they haven't answered their emails. There's all these assumptions and all these movies that we have going on inside our heads that m- most of the time are incorrect. And conversational intelligence actually explains that and, and how we should use a different part of our brain to be able to go uh, think more positively than the immediate negative.
0: Oh, that's, uh, I, I appreciate that, and I want to thank you very, very much for joining me on the Hands on Business podcast, Leanne Elic, that has been illuminating, I know it would be illuminating for my uh, listeners, and as I said, all the way through, all the links that we've talked about, the books that we've just mentioned, I'll drop those in the links when I launch the podcast. Uh, and obviously leanne uh, website will be there and so will the failed acceleration formula.com of course because that's my website um, and that's more, all about different aspects of growing uh, business and growing a business so i think that um you know with, 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 with all those links then you will at least have a good starting point that if you're not in sales or you try to get into sales or you try to improve your sales process, I think you'll have all of the tools then and you won't be having an excuse as to why you're not gonna be moving to be one of those top salespeople. So thank you very much, Janelich.
1: You're welcome. Thank you for inviting me on the podcast. It's been great. So just really enjoyed talking to you. So yeah, thank you.
0: Thank you very much.